Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. What if there were a word we use in our daily vocabulary that was more dangerous than words like failure or catastrophe or tragedy? Are you ready? Most of us suffer from this one thing that is something of a silent killer, a quiet poison that if detected, we could eradicate from our lives and then thrive to new heights. Are you ready for it? It's comfortable. Most of us suffer from the regular, habitual, yet not that terrible lives we wake up to every day. What if it were more difficult to escape from an uneventful, humdrum, and comfortable life than it is to escape from an action movie? Our guest today, Bradley Charbonneau, had a nice, regular, and comfortable life, but it was killing him, and he managed to dig his way out. Here's Bradley on the danger of just dreaming. The advantage of dreaming a dream is that you can't fail. I just talk about it. I don't know, I'm not actually doing it. I'm just talking about it. Oh, won't that be great one day when I'm an author? But, but if you don't really start, then you can't, you, can't, you can't finish, you can't fail. And here's Bradley on deciding. And once you make the decision to go down this way or down that way, then it's like a snowball. And you're just heading down and things get easier, things get bigger, things, I mean, again, like the snowball, you're just going to bowl right over it. We'll start talking business now with Bradley right after this message from our sponsor, Interobang Solutions. Would you like to position your company as an industry thought leader, increase engagement, and build credibility with prospects and clients? Establish your influence as a trusted resource. Interobang Solutions offers full-service writing and publishing solutions that deliver your company's messages with a bang. You can count on us to provide turnkey solutions that support your existing marketing and communication staff or act as your full-service outsourced partner. Interobang Solutions, providing custom writing, editing, and publishing solutions. Call 913-676-7272 or visit www.interobanksolutions.com. That's 913-676-7272 or www.interobanksolutions.com. Welcome back. We're talking business now with Bradley Charbonneau. Bradley has written 11 books, as well as for numerous magazines and anthologies. His urban travel guide, San Francisco, is a guidebook that's full of insider tips. He's been around the world and around the block, always on the lookout for a unique angle for a new article. His work has appeared in many national magazines, in travel writing anthologies, and in flight magazines. But Bradley's real travel story isn't about his geographic adventures. It's the story of his personal journey, where that has led him, and the lessons we can all take away from those experiences. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Bradley joins us to talk about how he discovered the life he knew he should be living and to share what he's learned about true and lasting personal growth. Welcome to the show today, Bradley. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you. You know, you've lived a life of what many would consider great adventure. You've traveled to 43 countries, lived nine years outside of the United States in three different countries. You speak four languages. You have an international MBA. But it's only been recently that you think you've started living the life you believe you should be living. So what was your epiphany? When was that tipping point when you knew that you weren't that what you were doing wasn't working and that you could never turn back once you discovered that you know i think the hardest part is um is getting out of sort of the quicksand of everyday life and i i have a story in my book where i talk about how I sort of compare two scenarios and one scenario is just terrible you know end of the world nightmare left and right you know just everything is bad and as, as extreme as possible and that woman, you know, climbs back up to the top and makes it and grates it and everything's fantastic and wonderful and fireworks and, you know, theme songs. And it's all wonderful. Yay, what a success. But I, I actually think sort of coming from the, I mean, in my story, the fictional bottom there and getting up to the probably even more fictional top is, I don't know, it's sort of easier to comprehend. Whereas I think the most of us, we're sort of stuck in this quagmire of the middle ground you know our lives aren't too terrible but they're maybe not as great as we'd like and how can we get out of that yes. and i actually find that kind of more dangerous than i don't know i'm often thinking in like fiction so my son really likes james bond stuff i'm often <laughs> thinking in like james bond terms like you know the spy around the corner but you know that's our life isn't the thriller movie our lives is more i don't know the drama Hopefully a little comedy. <laughs> yeah, but, a little levity. But how do we get out of it? Yeah, so we've got uh, this place that many of us are stuck. And you you, yeah. you came to that realization somehow. What, what, what led you to realize, you know what, I'm doing okay. Um, I could probably be doing better. But uh, what, what made you decide to move along? The easy part was not moving along. It's a whole lot easier to just keep going. Mm, true. Like I, I also talk in my book about how I was dreaming the dream and how that's a whole lot easier than living the dream. You can, you can sit there and talk about it and chat about it and talk about what you might do in the future and what you might become, and that's all fun and great at, at dinner parties. But then you go home and you, if, if you're honest with yourself, and again, that's sort of the hard part, then maybe you're not really living the life that you thought you may have. So, so for me, the big epiphany... I wished I could look back and say I did it all on my own and it was just my pure brute strength and, and will and determination that turned me around, turned this big ship around and, you know, did what I wanted to do. But I, I wasn't doing it. I, I was stuck. I was just stuck in that perpetual blah of like everyday yuck. And it took my dad passing away for me to, to make that turn. Mm make that pivot. Yeah, a lot of times that is, you know, a, a death of, of someone close to you is a very eye-opening experience. It really brings you face-to-face -face in many cases with your own mortality, and uh, it sounds like that's what happened with you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, mortality, so, you, know, you sort of don't believe it, and you never think never think your own parents are going to pass away, and, you know, you never think you're going to pass away. Right. <laughs> you know, not when you're under a certain age, at least, you probably don't think about it too much, and you think, oh, I've got time, and oh, I'll do it later, and oh, it all just sounds so lovely in the future. But 
but taking the actual steps to making it happen, it can be hard. You know, I'm not, I'm not here saying this is all easy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sure easier now. It's now that I have made the decision to go down this path. Sure, my life is so much easier than it used to be. But that's because I was struggling. I was, I was in the quickstand, you know, one step forward and two steps mm-hmm. back. Or even worse is one step forward, one step back. Oh, I'm in the same place. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so your father's death created, I guess you could say, a sense of urgency for you. And it, 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 yeah. uh, it caused you to rethink what your life could be. And one of the things that you discovered was the power of daily habit. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know how to break through. I didn't know how to make the big fireworks or, you know, again, what, what am I obsessed with? Like thriller movies or something, but <laughs> I just, I see, <laughs> I see like this big action and, you know, you have an hour and a half and the entire story has to happen and it's usually with explosions, but we don't have that in our regular life. We don't have these action movie, you know, explosions. We have just like, just go along, go along. And again, like you said, I mean, I have no regrets in my life. I've had a wonderful life, but that wasn't it. It, it, On the surface, sure, things look great, but inside I wasn't happy with not only what I was doing, but where I was going. And the only thing that got me going was a daily habit. And I was challenged, and this is actually what I recommend, is because here I am, I've been writing for 2,000 days plus in a row, have not missed a day. I'm like a machine. But I didn't start out that way. I started out on a, on a sort of a dare, a challenge. A friend of mine had a project called Monthly Experiments. And he had a thing where you, you do, he, he had a the plan for the month or whatever. And it was maybe, you know, don't drink coffee for a month or, you know, wake up at six o'clock every, every day. And you do these things. And he made one specifically for me because I, I must have been whining and moaning <laughs> for long enough to annoy him. And he's like, okay, Bradley, we're going to do a write every day for a month uh, project for you. And my initial thought, and, and this is hard for me to think back to then when I was such, I see myself as like a scaredy cat. I was so scared of that. I was, you know, oh, wow, write every day for a month. That's like eternity. And again, if you think back to I was dreaming the dream and not writing the dream, the advantage of dreaming the dream is that you can't fail. Right. I just talk about it. I don't know. I'm not actually doing it. I'm just talking about it. Oh, won't that be great one day when I'm an author? But, but if you don't really start, then you can't, you can't, you can't finish. You can't fail. So it's safe, but you're also, you're kidding yourself. If you think, well, you, I mean, I was kidding myself for years. Mm -hmm. And so with his 30 day challenge, I did it. And the first day was brutal. The first days were awful. But then I don't know, around day 14, two weeks in or something like, Oh, okay, I'm sort of getting the hang of this. And then at day 30, it's just about done. And as he expects, because he knows this stuff, he said, I said, well, that wasn't actually so hard. And I had this sort of epiphany of, oh, wait a minute, what's, what's this big deal? This, this big mountain I have to, I have to climb. And it's all in my head. Yes. You know, I don't need, I don't need to write 11 books on day one. I need to write one day in a row and deal with tomorrow when it comes. Yeah. And and so just taking off, biting off a small chunk was a formidable goal. And yet I 
but would yeah. wager to bet that by the time you finish the 30 days, <laughs> you just felt like you were getting in your groove. And uh, it's yeah. kind of like when you ride the roller coaster the first time, you're kind of afraid and you get done and you go, oh, I want to get back in line and go again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> was it like that? that that's, that's a great example. Yes, that's exactly it. And so, and you're a little scared. Yeah. I mean, just like the roller coaster, you're scared and you have to wait in line real long. You finally there, and then it's really short. That was it. <laughs> right. I want to do it again. Yeah, exactly. And and you, like you said, you've been writing for over two thousand days. You now have eleven books, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know there's there's no stopping. One one of the things that you say too yeah. that I just I think is a great saying, but I want to get your take on it is the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago, and the second best time <laughs> is today. Tie that in for us. So, wow! I just got the chills when you said that. I think because it affects me so deeply that I spent years not starting. And it's, it's, I mean, the usual culprit is fear. You just, and and sort of like we've been talking about the fear of failure, the fear, the fear of, you know, living this dream. It's not really going to be what it's all, you know, dreamed up to be. And, but I, I, I've completely turned 180 degrees and I want to, I'm, I'm so adventurous now with, with starting anything I will start anything because I don't care if I fail anymore. Mm. Because fail, failing is really just learning. If you fail and give up and, and you know, kick the stone on, with your toe and, oh, shucks, oh, me, oh, my, oh, things are terrible. Okay, that, that's fine. You can do that. But then what did you learn from it? And how are you going to do it better next right. time? That's, that's really key to, to getting started. It, that's why I also say, also, I don't care about your first book so much. I'm much more interested in your second well, book. Why do you, now, explain that. Because, what do you mean by that? So, because your first book is so scary for you. It's this huge mountain. It's this, and I often see it in, in, in mountains. And I see that you, you just build this mountain up so huge, and you, you're, you're, you're packing, and you're training, and you're hiking, and you're climbing, and you're scared. And even before you get there, you're, you're so concerned about it. And then once you get to the top of the first mountain... You, which is, you know, a huge struggle and a nightmare and terrible. It took you forever. But then you get to the top and you look out over the horizon and what you see are like, I always envision sort of the Swiss Alps. Mm. And you just see, wow, look at all these other mountains. And the beauty of being on the first mountain is that now your perspective is, well, I did this one. I can do that one. Sure. And then what, what's also fun is that it's not just number one and number two. It's you get on top of number one because you, you succeeded, you, you ascended your book number one. And then what you may have thought book number two would be, or maybe you weren't even thinking of book number two, but you look out and you see, wow, it's like a vista of opportunity. Yeah. And it, it just, it changes your whole mindset. And, and that's why I'm interested in number right. two, because number two means you're done with number one. You were talking about... Uh, failing, learning from that failure. And I think one of the beautiful things that you talk about is that in learning from that failure, you can actually scale. What what have been some of those instances with you in your life? So for me, scale is uh, a lot. I mean, especially in my world of publishing and digital products, I really believe in you know creating something of value and then ideally where you can share that too many, you know, sort of one to many, not just, not one to one, not your typical work an hour, get paid an hour, or, you know, you, you build a, or you make a pair of shoes and you sell a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. But what's 
you know, pretty exciting in our current environment is that, especially with digital products, which, which are, you know, many, many options, you know, books and audio and video and anything, or, you know, anything, a, a PDF is a digital product, right? Right. And so creating one thing once, working super hard on it, making it the best you can, and then making that scale and so that you can go work on that product and it, and it could sell, it could sell to one person or it could sell to a million people. So exponential and, impact, and, basically. Yes, yes. And that's what I think is so exciting. I, I don't really get excited about, I get a project and I'm going to work three hours and get paid three times one hour. That's okay, you know, pay the rent or whatever, but it's not, it's not exciting. <laughs> right. I want to work for three hours and maybe I make, you know, X dollars or maybe I make X thousand dollars. And I might totally bomb. That's okay. Yeah. You you know, just... if, I bomb, if I bomb, actually, I'm going to learn mm-hmm. what I do wrong. Why did it bomb? I'm going to make it better the next time. Absolutely. Well, along those lines of scaling and having that maximum impact, one of the other things that you talk about, and I, I think actually people are starting to realize it, is that we need to record audio. There's something about audio. I'm such a fan. I just, I don't know. It's in your earbuds, and it's, I, you can walk in the forest and listen to an audio book or a podcast, and... I don't know. It's such a deeper, closer connection with somebody. And especially, like you say, like an interview. And so what, when it really hit me was uh, in my first children's books, I wrote it together with my two boys. And they were, at the time, eight and ten. They had chapters in the very first book of their own. So one chapter each boy. How fun. And I had the brilliant idea at the time, they thought it was terrible, <laughs> to record, the record their own chapters themselves. And you know, oh, no, that's, no, I'm never going to, what are you talking about? And so my oldest, he was so mad at me. He says, fine, I'll do it. And he says, I'm going to do it in one run through. I'm just going to record it and then I'm done. I'm like, okay, okay, let's go. And so I actually did it. Hmm. And it's awful. It's a dog barking <laughs> in the background. His, you know, his voice goes up and down. It's way over, you know, all the limits of audio frequencies that you're supposed to have. And, but then, so this is now four years ago. And my son, who's now 14, you know, he's a typical teenager. He speaks in like one syllable answers and, you know, and two syllables, like a big word. Like, how, you know, how was school? Fine. You know, that. And so this, there's this like little boy, this little 10 year old who's reading this cute little story about the dog who got away. And I have that forever. Right. And it's like a photo album, but it's his voice. He's so sweet. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm back to the day when you're sweet. And it's this memory. It's this time capsule of my son, of my family, yes. back at a certain point in time. And it's this, it's a treasure. Yes. And well, one day he'll, I always, had, I always yeah. had more. One day he'll appreciate it. And even more important, yeah. one day his kids will love to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> that'll, yeah. that'll really yeah. be powerful. Yeah, my, my mom said maybe when he's thirty-two. <laughs> That's probably about right. Yeah, I would I would agree oh, no. with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So one one of the other things that you talk about, and you know, moving us off of that that fence post in life, uh, you know, to get us. You said just shake things up. In your case, you moved to yeah. Europe. Talk about that. Yeah. So I was living in San Francisco. We lived there for sixteen years, and uh, it was it's great. We had a great time. Great city. But it is ridiculously expensive. And if I, and this, this, here we're coming back to decision making. So um, my dad was not well. 
and I wasn't happy in my, I had a job, I had my own marketing company for, for 10 years and it was fine. No, no, cruising along doing okay. And, but I wasn't happy on the inside by a long shot. And these domino effects happened and whereas my company, I just wasn't happy. My dad was going to pass away and I thought I can't keep going like this. I need to, I need to do this. I need to be a writer. And I also, I was, I mean, sorry, San Francisco friends, but I was pretty sick of San Francisco. It was just the cost and the crime and the schools were about my kids are going to enter high school at some point. And they're either really good and you can't get in or they're really expensive or they're like maybe somewhere in the middle. So that is, it's not great education opportunities for high schools there. And there was just all these stuff lining up against me, not to mention if I was going to delve into the, the beginnings of being an author, I mean, <laughs> I don't have to tell too many people that it's not instant millionaire. Let me, no. tell, let me put it that way. And so for me, it was a question of priorities, or you could even call it a sacrifice, where I left, you know, the big, pretty city, and my wife is Dutch, and we decided to move to Holland. And life here is so much less expensive than San Francisco, that schools are fantastic and free, and they don't even have private schools, so they don't need them. Mm-hmm. And just a lot of things in daily life are just easier, uh, simpler, uh, lower cost. And also, I wanted that experience for my kids. You know, they're half Dutch, their mom's Dutch, and I speak Dutch. And we've always spoken Dutch with the kids. And I wanted them to have a different experience in their lives. But also, this was a big step for me that I was then, like, quote, allowed to close my company and start off on my, my next career. And so for me, that was a big deal to make that all happen. But, but back to decision-making, it, it was so easy. Really? I remember being on the phone with the bank. Yeah, it was crazy how easy it was. I remember being on the phone with the bank and saying, oh, hi, I'd like to close my, my business account. Like, oh, oh, but um, Mr. Charbonneau, you've been with us for 10 years, and uh, you know, we could lower the rates, or we could do this, or we could do that. Nope, nope, just want to close them. Like, well, you know, we, would you like to talk to a, to a manager? Like, <laughs> nope. Are we done yet? Did you close them yet? Are we done? How'd it go? <laughs> They're like, wow. But people, when they heard me or I talked with them, they let, let me talk for two minutes. Like, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I get it. You're serious. You know, I'm not getting in your way. Let me, let me step out of the way because you're, you're out of stopping. You know, in, yeah, in so many ways, that was a huge decision. Most people would never, yeah. ever do that. Even if they thought about it, they would never actually carry it out. But I bet when you yeah. when you finally made the decision, I bet even though you still had a new life in front of you to get started in, a, you know, the, the actual move, you know, whole logistical part, I bet yeah. it felt like a huge weight had been taken off of your shoulders. Yes. Yes. So my, my next book coming out in a few weeks is called Decide. And from the feedback I got from my book last year called Every Single Day about their habits is that people would say, I, I'm with you on the every single day. I get it, the daily habit. I love it. I want to get on board, but I can't decide what direction to go in. Ah. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, oh, because I didn't have that problem. I knew clearly I wanted to be a writer. That's it. That was very clear for me. But for other people, like, well, I, I totally believe you <laughs> and I, I will do it. I just don't exactly know what to do, or I can't pull the trigger, or I can't really decide what to do. And for me, it came down to decision-making. 
and sort of the art and science I've done now been studying the art and science of decision making. And once you make that decision, we're sort of like back on top of the mountaintop. Yes. And once you make that decision to go down this way or down that way, then it's like a snowball and you're just heading down and things get easier. Things get bigger. Things like, I mean, again, like the snowball, you're just going to bowl right over it. And things like closing the bank account. Clo- I closed down a company. I had a successful company for 10 years. I just closed it, just threw it out the window. <laughs> and and I, had, I had not a care in the world. Like, this is what I want. This is what I need to do. Yeah. And people were just like, you're on a mission. I'm like, yep. So you've written this book, Decide. Where can people get this book? Uh, for the first few months, my publishing strategy has been um, exclusive with Amazon at first. Mm-hmm for three months, okay. and then I'll go wide, as they call it, and go um, beyond Amazon and then sort of available everywhere. Okay, Amazon.com. You can go out and look for the new book coming out from Bradley Sherbino called Decide. And uh, it sounds like a great book. And all your other books, are they still available on Amazon as well? Yes, yes. Right. Yeah. And you you know and you write blogs too. You don't just write books. Yeah. You you write blogs. And if people want to hear more about your message and some of the things that you've done in your life that have helped you shake things up, where can they go to read your blogs? So I'm I'm mostly active on a site with a completely dorky insider joke name called pastthesourcream.com. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So what, what's the inside joke? Can you share that with us? The inside joke is, is uh, briefly, uh, so after um, I met my wife, I was living in Holland before, like 20 years ago, and we met and we wanted to travel and we traveled and we traveled more and we traveled more and traveled more, quit our jobs, and we went around the world for a year. And we, in, we were in China, and I think I had had rice or noodles for like four months straight. And I was just like, anything, anything else. And so we were at, we were going to the Great Wall of China. And I said, um, if I had a choice between the Great Wall of China or a baked potato, <laughs> pass the sour cream. Bradley, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Talking Business Now. We really appreciate sharing all of the things that you have discovered on your journey. And we also appreciate the support of our sponsor, Interobank Solutions. You can give them a call at 913-676-7272 or visit interobanksolutions.com. And thank you for tuning in today. Please be sure to join us for the next episode of Talking Business Now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.